Hope everybody's doing well tonight. <clears throat> I'm going to try to get through here as fast as I can. I've got a five-minute time frame, so we're going to try to make that. I'm just, I'm just kidding a little bit. Um, so bear with me in my voice. I've been a little bit under the weather, so uh, we're going to try to get through this here. But Haley and I would love to share a little bit about what we've been feeling this week uh, and what uh, a question that uh, Brother and Pastor Dwayne had asked us to, to speak on here. So first off, my name's Matt, and this is my lovely wife, Haley. Um, and we've been members here since uh, 2015, um, since we started being married. That's when we became members. And uh, we were asked a specific question that we would kind of want to talk about tonight. And that question is, how has Haley and I seen God's faithfulness in our lives and in the life of our time here at Red House? Um, it's a pretty loaded question. I could talk for hours and hours about seeing God's faithfulness, but we're going to try to keep this in our time frame here. Um, but before I let Haley give some specifics about how she and I have seen God's faithfulness. I first wanted to pause just quickly and talk a little bit about God's faithfulness or God's emet, which is translated a Hebrew word for faithfulness. Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but that word, uh, I have done some research on it, and it's going to tie in here a little bit about what we want to talk about. Um, but the Hebrew word emet has kind of a dual meaning, one being truth and the other being faithfulness. The Hebrew word emet carries the concepts of stability and reliability in relation to God's faithfulness and his truths. Um, the concepts of emet can be seen in one story specifically in the book of the Bible in uh, Exodus chapter 17 verses 8 through 13 where Moses stood on top of a hillside with the rod of the Lord in his hands trying to defeat the Amalekites. The story reads that while Moses held up his hands, the Israelites prevailed. And that when he got tired and his hands went down, the Amicalites prevailed. And so the story reads that while Moses held up his hands, he got weary and tired. Um, his hands got heavy. So in verse 12, it tells us that, those, that Moses' hands became so heavy that Aaron and Hur were with Moses, took a rock and put it under his uh, backside so that he could sit and kind of rest a little bit and try to continue to hold up his hand with the rod. Um, then Aaron and Hur... He actually, they actually assisted Moses help him hold up his hands so that Moses' hands would stay emet or steady and reliable. And so when we think about the question Brother and Pastor Dwayne asked us, we thought about the times that God's faithfulness or emet was steady and reliable for us. We thought of times that were extremely difficult, such as having to personally go through multiple heart surgeries or having to go through the loss of dear friends. We also thought of the times the Lord has blessed us by having such wonderful opportunities to lead Friday night fellowships where we get to come together and gather and to play games and fellowship with other believers and times such as where we get to serve with all of you in Project 29 and things of that nature. Through the good times and the bad, God's emet or faithfulness for us has never wavered. And Haley has some other examples of how she has seen the Lord's faithfulness in our lives in the time here. During my prayer time and praying to speak on God's faithfulness, or he met, some things that came to mind in our personal life would be um, Matt and I's decision to tithe as we began our marriage. Through this discipline, we have seen God's provision and reliability. It's really cool seeing God work through our finances as we've always given our first fruits and um, we've always been taken care of and um, been blessed through that. Um, also, I've seen God's faithfulness through our marriage and trials that Matt and I have faced. God has brought us closer together 
and strengthen our marriage through those trials. And in my personal life of anxieties that I face, God's word is my rock and my foundation of his faithfulness to me. Transitioning, um, we have seen God's faithfulness in the life of Red House through our young adult Sunday school class. As in the story of Exodus, Aaron and Hur provided a rock for Moses to sit on while he was struggling to hold his hands up. Our Sunday school is a family that God has orchestrated together to support one another through difficult times and to point one another towards Christ. We have seen God's hand at work through our class in terms of numbers. In the beginning of the year, we had a small class of four individuals. It has been an amazing blessing to see our class grow to upwards of nine families. This has been such an amazing testimony um, of God's faithfulness and answering our prayers, and we wanted to share that um, testimony with you tonight. Um, in closing, we wanted to, uh, a verse that stood out to Matt and I was from Psalm 2510. All the Lord's way show faithful love and truth to those who keep his covenant and decrees. So we love uh, Red House, it's our family here. Um, we're so blessed and so thankful. So thank you for letting us share. Just in case you do. Thank you for that word. Thank you for sharing that word. Thank you all again, uh, Bo and you all for Daniel for leading worship. Great worship set again today. I did not know that that's what we're going to speak on, but um, I brought a gift for everyone tonight, for every family one uh, tonight. Uh, unfortunately, it's still in my car, so you won't get it tonight. But uh, I, the last book that our latest book that I wrote has been out a little over a year now, and it's called God Provides sharing that to just fit right in there. It's 26 stories of how God has provided in our life, Pam and I, in our life, and uh, we just, we give it away. We want people to, to read it, to be encouraged by it, and to encourage you to think of how God has provided for you. There's so many ways that people don't realize that, just like what you'll share, how God has worked through and, and walked through things with you. And so, uh, uh, we'll have those here tomorrow. So, they're, they're, they're here tonight if you don't want to go out in the cold and get one. But we're uh, going to look at uh, First Chronicles chapter 16 again. This time we're starting at verse 12 and going down. You know, as we were singing tonight, the, the, the last congregational song we sing says, you know, um, sing like never before, oh my soul. That's what we talked, one of the things we talked about last night. And, you know, I even thought on the way home last night I was thinking about, you know, just how, how great the, the worship said. This is how God works. Because Bo and I did not talk. I did send him after he'd already set everything up. Then I, then I got around to sending him the passages that I was going to be preaching on. But he had, I, I just love it when God uses a worship minister in that way to set up the songs and, and to set that worship set. And it fits in with the music. Last night we sang uh, a couple of one in particular was How Great Thou Art. What does that say? Then sings my lips. 
it says, then sings my voice. No, it's not that either. Then sings my soul. That's what we were getting at last night. Again, sing from the soul. Sing and worship and praise and proclaim who God is from the soul, from even deeper than the heart, from the soul. And so tonight, you see that the, the title of the message is Remember. Pretty simple, easy to remember, right? I did that for you tonight. So really easy to remember. The, the title is Remember. It's from First Chronicles 16, chapter, uh, chapter 16, verses 12 through 22. And this is our topic. It's going to be our topic for the night. And it is the, the, the message title. Of, when, you, when you think of that, when you see that word, what do you think of? What do you remember? In fact, here's what I'd like for you to do. Turn to someone around you, other than family, if you can see somebody or speak to somebody that close to you. Turn to somebody other than your family and just tell them what kind of things you think about when you, or you remember. What kind of things do you remember? Just turn and share somebody other than family. That means some of you got to turn around to your back, somebody behind you, in front of you. What do you, what kind of things do you remember? I didn't say tell them everything you remember, just what kind of things you remember. Amen. It's good. It's good. You know, for most of us, for most of us, the things that we remember are good things and bright events or people that have made a positive impact on our lives. We have a tendency to keep the good, the positive remembrances, the good things at the forefront of our memory. We oftentimes suppress some of the bad things that have happened in our lives. The traumatic ones, the harder ones to suppress, sometimes yet we still bury them or try to bury them or suppress them in our minds and behind the precious and the good memories. And as Christians and believers, we have a lot of good and great memories that God has brought to our to us in each one of our lives. So let's read our scripture tonight and uh, for tonight, and then I want to show you three things in this part of the passage that we're reading uh, this weekend. Would you stand with me as we read from 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verses 12 through 22, which, by the way, I read from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, uh, in case you were wondering if yours is different. But this one says, Remember the wonderful works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. You, offspring of Israel, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments govern the whole earth. Remember his covenant forever. The promise he ordained for a thousand generations. The covenant he made with Abraham and then he swore to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. I will give you, I will give the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion. When they were few in number, very few indeed, and temporary residents in Canaan, wandering from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their behalf. Do not touch 
my anointed ones or harm my prophets. Father God, we thank you for this and the reading of your word tonight and, and that, that you give this to us and we can study again and again and continue to learn, uh, Lord, from your word. Lord, we pray that as we look at this, your word, we know again that your Holy Spirit is our teacher, so may your Holy Spirit have the freedom to speak to us, to touch our hearts and our minds, to clearly convey your message that each one of us needs. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church. You may be seated. So remember, number one, remember his wonderful works. That's verses 12 through 14. He talks about that. Verse 12 says, Remember the wonderful works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. As the psalmist writes this portion of our text, he's expressing to the Israelites to remember. He's telling them, remember, don't forget, remember these things. To remember the wonderful works that God has done for their nation. To remember who God is and how powerful their God is and how he's worked his power. They've seen his power at work in those wondrous works. He begins in verse 12 by saying, Remember the wonderful works he has done, his wonders, and the judgments he has pronounced. You know, we have those works that he's, that David is speaking of here in writing. We have them right here in Scripture. Those wonderful works that he's talking about to the Israelites, but we also have wonderful works in our own lives. Uh, we have them. We study them in church because we've got them in the Bible. God has written them for us. The Israelites had heard them. They didn't have them all written down. They had part, the first part written down, and then they have those, and they had those passed down from generation to generation. They knew the works that David was speaking of, a God who delivered their nation out of slavery at the hands of the most, probably the most powerful nation at that time, Egypt. God's wonderful works was to deliver them from that oppression, from slavery. But not only did God deliver them from slavery or from, from oppression at the hand of the Egyptians, He soon, after that, if we, we know the story, He soon delivered the nation Israel through an impossibility, through a dry seabed, through a dry ocean bed. And then, in that same ocean bed that was dry one minute, He drowned the entire of the Egyptians. See, God has wonderful works and we think of what he did to deliver them, but he also took care of them by taking care of their enemies. Now, don't go out and pray that God would drown your enemies, but God takes care and does wondrous works on both ends of the scale there. God continued those wonderful works after that by giving them the land of Canaan. He fed them uh, for... 40 years in the nation. He kept them clothed. Their clothes didn't wear out for 40 years and wandered in the desert. And then, and then as they entered the land of Canaan, he gave them that land, that a land that were outnumbered by other people, people groups in those nations. Those nations were better trained for battle, better trained to, to defeat the Israelites. But you see, when God works for you, you will be blessed. God's works are always wonderful works, even in times when we have difficulties, when we're going through difficulties, even in times we think, man, this is just, this can't be God, bring me out of this because this can't be what you want for me. 
sometimes it is what he wants for us, isn't it? In the book that I was talking about, we, we talk about different things. God provides, like I said, 26 different stories of, of things, how God provided for us. Some of it is financial. There's one or two stories of financially. But most of it is about those couple of health issues that Pam had had. There's a couple of other things in there, how God led us to move from one state to another when it was his time to move in ministry and to do different things. There's, and, and it goes on. God does a lot of different things. You know, there's, there's one, I don't mention the guy's name in the book, but when I was working in the corporate world in management, uh, I think I tell, share most of this story in the book. Um, I was working in retail management, hard lines retail, and I had a, a, a boss manager who wasn't evil, but he just would do things. I always thought he was doing things to spite. He knew that I was a minister. I was a youth minister at the time, and he knew that. And so it seemed like any time the management team needed to get together to do something, it was always scheduled for Sunday or Wednesday evening. And so it's kind of like this. And, and we prayed that, that God would move me out of there, just get me out of there so that I would, I would be able to focus on the, the ministry. And to show God's sense of humor, what he did is he didn't move me out of there. He moved that gentleman out of there. And, and he brought in another manager to come in. That guy went and, and went to work at corporate headquarters as a buyer. And, and they, brought in, they brought in another manager, and I watched him walk in at the manager's office. I was the operations manager. It was his office was right across from mine. And when I watched him walk in, I knew it had to be him, so I walked over to introduce myself to him. And, and the, the moment I t- he turned around, I said, Hi, my name is George. I'm your operations manager. And he said, he just pointed his finger at me. He said, I hear you go to church. From now on, when it's your Sunday to work, you come in after church. And it was right then that God showed me he had been in control all along, that he was not finished with me at that position, at that, at that uh, workplace. And so God works in, in mysterious ways. We've heard that. But God's works are always wondrous works. They're always wonderful works, regardless of what we happen to be going through. And, and sometimes it's painful, right? You know, God never said that the Christian life was going to be a rose garden. Sometimes we get that idea that it has to be. But God never said that. He just said, I will walk with you through the storms. And he does walk with us. Verse 14 in our scripture says that he is the Lord, our God. His judgments govern the whole earth. His judgment, talking about his wonderful works, his wondrous works, they sometimes come in judgments. And, and how he works through, through other people in our lives. And so sometimes it's his judgments on us. But it's for our betterment. It's for our good. And we need to understand that. But a question here for this point is, is to remember his wonderful works. The question to put there is, how well do you recall the wonderful works of God in your life? In your personal life? How well do you, do you always think of those things as wonderful works, like the testimony we heard? Or like the one that I just shared, the story that I just shared? Do we think of those as God and God moments and God's leading us through this for a reason? These are part of God's wonderful works. Have you placed memory of his wonderful works in your life on a shelf for storage in your mind? Or do you praise and proclaim God for those wonderful works, for those those works that, that as you go through the, your week, what do you do? How do you use those? Do you proclaim those? Do you share with people what God is doing and what God has done? Are you sharing with people the wonderful works? Because if you're a Christian, I can guarantee you God's doing wonderful works. We just have to sometimes have our mind and our eyes open to see and to hear what God is trying to do and trying to say in us. Do you remember 
See, folks, you're going to face hardships. I mean, hardships are just part of life. We all going to we all face hardships. But even through those hardships, God has so richly blessed you and so richly blessed me with His wonderful works, even in hardships. And just about everyone in here could tell us of some of how God has done worked in those hardships. Sometimes we don't see them till the other side, but we do see them. You, you and I will all face hardships, but what recent hardships have you faced and you realize now God walked you through? What recent hardships have you faced where you've seen now? You can look back now, maybe you didn't at the time, maybe you did at the time, but you see that it was God. Are you sharing those hardships? Not sharing the hardship, but sharing what God did during those hardships. Do you remember that time as God's wonderful working in your life, even through the hardship. I mentioned, I think I said something like this last night, but I believe that most Christians, or most churchgoers anyway, miss out on perhaps, and perhaps never realize how wonderful the works of God are in their life. And uh, that's what that book tries to do, as God provides. We've been given, I don't remember how many copies we've given away now, but we don't, I mean, it is for sale, but we don't sell it. We just give it away. We want to give as many of them away as we can because we want people to understand that God is working. I've, I've had several, a lot of people, different people read it, and, and several come back to me over time and say, you know what, I read that, and I realized God did something similar in my life. And they start, we can't, but they had never thought of it before. They never realized that was God doing something, bringing something in their life until they read a similar story about it. So God is using that, and we want him to do that. It was his, it was his to start with. It's all his. All my books are God's books. They're not mine. But he said, remember the wonderful works he has done. His wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. So what will you do this weekend as we go through this weekend? What will you do this weekend and next week to proclaim the wonderful works that God has done in your life? What will you do to proclaim that to other people? Think on that. What will you do this weekend, tonight, maybe when you leave here, if you're going somewhere else, even if you stop at the gas station. You ever think about this? When you stop at the gas station, every time you fill your car, your truck up with gas, there's, you've got a captive audience on the other side of the pump. That person's not going anywhere until his gas is filled, until his tank's filled with gas. So you've got a captive audience for a couple minutes. Just wherever you find yourself, what will you do this weekend and next week to proclaim that wonderful works that God is doing, what you're seeing, what you're experiencing in your life and in the life of this church? Remember what we talked about last night. Remember them by proclaiming them, shouting them, singing them, letting people know loudly of what God is doing. God has placed people in your life. There'll be people in your life this coming week. God has placed there just so you can share what he's doing in your life. God has placed people in your life and there'll be people in your life this week that are there for the express reason God wants you to share what he is doing in your life. So remember, remember the wonderful works of God. Number two, remember his covenant. Verses 15 through 18. Remember his covenant. This is a covenant, is a, we know, is a strong, uh, supposed, un, unbreakable promise. Verses 15 through 18 remind the Israelites to remember the covenant that God of the universe had made with the Israelites. It's, let me read that scripture for you. It says, remember his covenant forever, the promise he ordained for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, swore to Isaac, 
and confirmed to Jacob as a decree and to Israel as an everlasting covenant. I will give the land of Canaan to you as your inherited portion. He does not say, remember it for a little while. This verse says, remember it forever. Remember it forever. Now, you remember your wedding day, right? Those of you that are married, you remember your wedding day. You remember that day all of your life for the rest of your life, right? You remember it because it was such a special occasion. You remember other uh, significant events as well. And a marriage is a covenant, right? We're told that, we believe that, we said that. It's a covenant that is to be a lifelong promise between two people, a man and a woman. Yet today we know that many marriages end before that covenant time of life is over. You see, man's covenants, for whatever reason, because we're man, because we're human, man's covenants do not carry the strength of God's covenant. The psalmist is reminding the Israelites and us that this covenant is much more than any of those special days in your life. Your children being born, your marriage, your your baptism, the day that you accepted Christ. This covenant is much more special than any of those days in your life. It is because this is a promise made and a promise kept to you by the God of the universe. The creator of all things made this covenant with you. God spoke a covenant to Abraham later to his son Isaac and then on to his son Jacob and then he kept his promise he kept that covenant and he gave that land to Israel can there be any promise or any covenant greater than one given to mere men by the almighty God can there be absolutely not not even close God almighty has given us that covenant. And it is good for us to remember this covenant, not, not only that covenant, as I'll talk about here in just a minute, but it is good for us to remember this, remember this covenant because uh, it helps us to remember that God is not a covenant breaker. He kept that covenant. He's kept every promise, every covenant He's ever made. We have an even greater covenant than what He promised the Israelites at that time. We have an even greater covenant from the God of the universe. Than that one. God's covenant to us is one of redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And most of us know that here. It's a, it's a covenant of redemption through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's a forever covenant. It lasts longer than 70 or 80 years that you'll be alive here on this earth. That's just a small smidgen of time. It's a forever covenant. It lasts for all eternity. You know how long eternity is? No, you don't. Don't act like you do. None of us do. Because it just keeps going. Some might say forever and a day. It just keeps going and going and going. Romans 6.23, a great, I mean, all Scripture is great, but just a great verse that many of us know. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift. You know, a gift is something that, that can't, you can't purchase it. You can't work for it. It's just something that's given to you. And yet, if it's given to you, if you put it up on a shelf and you never open it, you never unwrap it, you never look and see what's inside it, it's just a box wrapped up. 
we've got to take that box down, that gift that God has given us, eternal life through Jesus Christ, and we make it our own by serving God. This is God's covenant. This is God's covenant to you and to me as believers. It is the, the God of the universe. It's His gift. He actually has reached down and given you personally a gift. He's given me a gift. The God, think of, can you, I just can't even wrap my mind around that. The God of the universe has given me, George Yates of Springfield, Kentucky, a gift. He's given you and me a special gift. Folks, you're sitting there like you're a bunch of Baptists. Oh, that's right, you are. Man, that should even make us want to shout. It is time to stop being closet Christians. To get out of to get out the bullhorn and to shout, as we talked about last night, to shout the glory of God for his wondrous works, for his unbreakable covenant with us. Remember his wonderful works. When you get down, when you think that, that life's going on or or your party's not in Congress, or your party's not in the White House, or, or whatever's going on, or you're stuck in traffic. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that one, but, but you're stuck in traffic. They understand that because they got stuck in traffic today. No matter what it is, what you're going through, there can be some, some down times, there could be some hardships, some difficulties, some medical issues. Remember His wonderful works and remember His covenant. You may be going through some tough stuff right now, but I got you. And then thirdly, remember, remember His mighty right hand. Remember His mighty right hand. This is what the Scripture tells us in 18 through 22. It says, When they were few in number, very few indeed, and temporary residents in Canaan, wandering from nation to nation and from one kingdom to another, He, God, allowed no one to oppress them. Remember, He brought them out of oppression. He allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their behalf. Do not touch my anointed ones, he said, or harm my prophets. God allowed no one, I capitalize that, God allowed no one to oppress them, no one to hold them back, no one to stop them, no one to keep them from doing what God had promised and given them as a covenant. There's power in his hand. There's power beyond any other power in this world in the hand of God. Why do we cower away from sharing the good news? Why do we cower away from sharing about His wonderful works? Why do we cower away from His amazing out-of-this-world covenant? Why do we shy away and cower away from sharing these things? We have no reason to fear his hand is more powerful than any and every strength that would try to come against him. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason to cower. We have no reason not to share. And we've been singing about that. I don't know about you. I'm getting excited up here and I wrote this. God gave this. 
it's not about me it's about God but but I get excited you know under the guidance of the Holy Spirit I wrote this and I've read it several times before but I'm getting excited about reading what I'm going there and, and just sharing with you what God's put on my heart I'm getting excited because this passage is reminding me of the greatest most powerful being ever will be the most powerful and you know what he's my personal God the God of the universe bigger than any of us stronger than any of us and anything that we can imagine and he is my personal God I just need to do this for a minute scratch my head I don't get it but I'm glad that I got it He's my personal God. He's your personal God. He's on your side. You know that? He's on your side no matter what you're going through. He's on your side. He's giving you wonderful works. He's giving you a covenant. And His mighty right hand. Well, that's my left. I'm left-handed. His mighty right hand is there. Folks, you need to be shouting tonight. There's no power in the universe greater than our God. There's no power in the universe greater than the reason that we came here tonight to worship together. No power. Now, you know, when Scripture uses the image or the terminology of God's right hand, it's meant to be a picture of the pinnacle of strength and power, ability. There's no person, there's no nation, there's not one source or one combination of sources that can overpower your personal Lord and Savior if you're a Christian. Not one. Psalm 44 verse 3 says this. It speaks of the, the, name, the same sharing of, of God's deliverance of the Israelites and possessing the land of Canaan. Psalm 44 verse 3 says, for by their own sword they did not possess the land. In other words, it wasn't in their own strength. And their own arm did not save them. But your, God, your right hand and your arm and, and the light of your presence, for you favored them. Remember what I said last night? If it's in Scripture, it's not there for history. It's not there for filler. It's not there for any other reason other than I need to learn something from it. Let me read that last thing for you. Your arm, your God, your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored George you favored them because he was their God he's my God he favors me to protect me to help me most people are considered right handed we know that most people are right handed and then there's some of us that are even better than that no I'm just kidding most people are right handed and so when we use the term right hand, we understand what that means, that that's the strong hand. Even, even those of us who are left-handed, uh, we're left-hand dominant, we understand that term because we understand and we realize that there is one arm, one hand, that's stronger than the other for each one of us. Psalm 17, verse 7, gives you and me a, another good instruction and peace of mind in this same category. As it says, wondrously... Show your loving kindness, O Savior, to those of us who take refuge at your right hand from those who rise up against us. Those who take refuge from 
overcome those who rise up against him, who take refuge at your right hand. We turn to God. We're turning to his strength. We're turning to his power. Don't try to do it in your own power. If you turn to God, then turn it over to God. Let God take control. It's another one of God's great promises. I mean, his, this scripture, we all know that, but his scripture is just full of these great promises that he makes for us that we can take rest in tonight and tomorrow and next week. Those who take refuge at the right hand of the one and only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those who place their dependence and their strength at the power, at the foot of the cross of the power of the risen Christ, our Savior. It is those, it says, who will be able to stand against the wiles want to stand against the things that are are troubling you, lay it at the cross. Lay it at the foot of Jesus. Lay it at his feet because he has the strength. He has the power. Can I tell you a Hebrew word that goes real good right here? Wow! Wow! The power of promise, the power of covenant, power of the promises of scripture of this message just the, the power the promises in this message the scripture here in this message and just keeps getting stronger and stronger as I read this that's why when 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 Dwayne called me told me what the key verse was I started reading about a couple chapters before in that chapter and yet read this song and I thought man this is it this is the whole weekend and then as you read on it just keeps getting stronger and stronger Folks, not only to shout, but to jump for joy. I'd like to jump for joy. But if I could dance, I might even dance. No, I won't do that. I said if I could, I can. In fact, I'm going to say something. Dwayne, you all were stuck in traffic, and Dwayne knew that. You had called him, I guess. And he said, George, you know what happened, What that means? He said, the guest speakers want to must leave the music if he didn't make it. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a very short worship set. And you want to see an empty building? I can do that real quick. So. Thank you for making it here on time. Thank you, God. The wondrous works. The wonderful works of God. The almighty God of this entire universe is my personal God, and he promises to take care of me. Does that mean I'm going to get everything I want? Does that mean I get to to avoid all difficulties? No. But he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of me through all of it. The God of unimaginable power has written little old me a love letter. And he's written that love letter to you too. Reading this passage, it's hard to consider. If anyone under God's care could ever forget his wonderful works, if anyone could ever forget his covenant or the power of his mighty right hand, the Israelites did. It wasn't seven days after he delivered them through the through the, the sea, the drop of sea there, that they began griping, complaining, and forgot his wonderful works. And if we're honest, you and I have to admit, we too, at times in our life, we forget. Or we at least let it slip to the back of our mind buried as we try to live in our own strength, as we try to handle and to cope with things 
in our own ways. Tonight, would you make that journey back to God in those areas of your life, those things, that, those areas that, that you need to ask God to, God, help me to bring back to the forefront of my memory. recommit to him tonight. Wherever you're at, where you do it where you're sitting, you can come to the altar. I, I'm not going to ask everyone to come to the altar tonight like you did last night, or if you would. But if you will, you, you come to the altar. Dwayne's going to be standing here. We're going to enter into our time. I call this a time of response. It, it's our, uh, it's God's invitation for us to respond to him. Will you recommit to him tonight, right here, as a witness to those with you, those who are sitting around you, those here in the building with us here, those who may be watching or listening to us online or other ways, will you tonight recommit here as a witness to those that you will not only remember, but you will go through life sharing and encouraging others of the great things of remembrance of our great God. Would you stand with me? Now, this is labeled a revival. I mean, bringing back to life. It requires something different. It requires change. It requires us to do something more. It requires a recognition of who God is and what He has done, what He is doing in your life and in the life of your church. What is God speaking to you about tonight as we enter this time? Father God, as we do enter this time, time of, of your invitation to us, us to respond to you as you have been pleading with us, as you have been instructing us. Father, just as I say every time before, I pray through the week, I pray before I get up to preach, no matter where I preach. I pray, Lord, that if they don't hear a word I say, that's fine, as long as they hear from the Holy Spirit. So I pray that tonight the Holy Spirit has had freedom to speak into every heart here, convicting us where we need convicting, convincing us where we need convincing, strengthening us where we need strength. Father, help us in these three areas to remember who you are, to remember your wonderful works in our lives and the life of this church, to remember the covenant that you made with each one of us as if it was our own individual covenant, and to remember the power that we have at our disposal, the power of your mighty right hand. turn to you in stronger ways and greater ways. This is a revival, Lord. Revive us again. Revive us anew. Revive us, oh Lord. Lord, help us not to just stand there if you're if you calling us to come forward so that we can be an example for others. Maybe others will come forward too if we need to, but are fearful. We have nothing to fear because you are on our side. So Father, guide us in this hour, in this moment. We pray this in Jesus precious name. Amen. You respond as God leads you.